Hey there, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games. I was just looking at weather reports for down in Florida and Georgia. And I just wanted to say um, that if you're down there where the, the giant hurricane is, is hitting you right now, I hope you're safe. I hope you are dry um, and I hope you stay that way. A anyone in the path of this massive hurricane. Um, yeah, I know, I know disasters like this happen all over the world. I'm in the U.S. I'm a little extra aware of stuff happening in the U.S. And my heart goes out to the people who are down there right now. So I'm guessing those who are down there aren't watching this. But if you watch this in the future, I'm thinking of you. I'm hoping you're okay. Hey, Tony, good morning. Good morning to anyone else who joins me today. As always, I'm Jamie from Stonemaier Games. I'm here on Wednesday to discuss Stonemaier Games news, to discuss some random topics, and to answer your questions if you have any non-spoiler questions. Speaking of spoilers, I did post a very, very small spoiler on Instagram, at Jamie Stegmeyer on Instagram, um, about uh, uh, a, 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 something that I'm going to be revealing next week. I have a big new game, our, our final new game, our second and final new game that I will reveal next Wednesday, including uh, the rule book, the box, the designer, the, the artist, all that stuff will be revealed next Wednesday. I put a hint or a really a punched out punch boards are my hint that I put on Instagram um, yesterday, uh, today, this morning that you can check out on Instagram. George also, I'm seeing in the comments, George said prayers for the UNC Chapel Hill community as well. There was a, uh, a shooter in that area. There was also a shooter in Jacksonville recently. A lot of, a lot of uh, unhinged shooters recently in the US. Also, my thoughts go out to people in Kiev. I think there was a, a giant attack on Kiev from Russia last night. So um, my thoughts are to them. A lot of pain going around the world today. I hope your pain is okay. Whatever your pain may be, I'm here to, to talk about it today if you want to talk about it. Uh, William says he's excited about the new game. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to reveal the game next week. It's been something that we've been working on for a long time, something that I'm incredibly excited about, and all will be revealed, or mostly will be revealed next Wednesday. We're going to do the thing where I reveal the rulebook from day one. So if you want to check out the rulebook, if you want to know everything, you can. If you just want to follow along in the design diaries and the way that I reveal things kind of piece by piece, you can do that too. Or you can do a combination of the two. So that will all start next Wednesday. Uh, our e-newsletter will also be next Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and this it will be, I'll, I'll say, be up front and say that this will be a, a launch style product, which means that we will do a reveal for a few weeks. And then the first week of October, we will launch the product on our web store, which means that it will be in stock in our fulfillment centers around the world. And it will start shipping pretty much right away to people throughout, probably continuing throughout October. It will also be at Essen. Essen Spiel is happening around, I think that same week, October 4th week. I won't be there, but some of my coworkers will be there and they will have this new game at Essen as well. So we're excited to get in people's hands right away. Um, what else is going on around here? I have uh, some some just random topics. So I had uh, the pleasure of playing some disc golf this past weekend, and then I paired it with yoga. I have a friend who is a yoga instructor, and she does courses, or not courses, she does sessions, yoga sessions, in Crestwood Park here in St. Louis every Sunday. And so that uh, happens to be now also a disc golf course. So Megan and I played a round of disc golf and then did some yoga. And I, it's kind of, I don't do yoga very often, but I really should because I have kind of persistent neck pain and my neck has felt amazing after doing a single hour of yoga this past Wednesday. So I really need to remember that and do it more often. Uh, we also went to a cat cafe on Saturday. You may have seen this on Instagram if you follow it. 
Jamie Stegmeyer on Instagram as well, went to a cute cat cafe. My co-founder, Alan, his son had his birthday recently and he wanted to go to the Cheshire Grin Cat Cafe in St. Louis. And it was a, a really adorable experience. You sign up for an hour and you just hang out with cats and you drink coffee and you, you play with cats if they want to be played with or you pet them gently. Um, and we just saw a wonderful, adorable variety of, of grown cats and kittens and rescues. And they can all be rescued from this, this cat cafe. So you can go to the cat cafe, get to know which cats fit your personality um, or their personalities fit yours. And then you can choose to adopt a cat if you want to. And we also last went to a little midsummer party. Uh, I know it is no longer midsummer, but this uh, a friend who really wanted to host a midsummer party and cook foods that are themed after the Scandinavian midsummer celebration. He got COVID a month ago when midsummer actually was. And so he hosted uh, the, the midsummer party now that he's feeling better um, for a bunch of friends this past weekend. So we had a wonderful time doing that. Tony says, who else here zoomed in on the punchboard picture? So I posted a, a slight spoiler of a punchboard of a new game that we're releasing next Wednesday. I posted a photo of the punchboards on Instagram. Um, Tony says, who else here zoomed in to read the side text hoping for a spoiler hint? Yeah, I kind of made sure there wouldn't be any actual spoiler spoilers there. It does spoil that there is an insert in the game and that you might want to put some of those uh, punch punchboards under the insert to raise it up. But that's all that it spoils. Dwayne says he's exciting, excited about the, um, the, the distraction, the announcement, and the distraction of the announcement uh, as a distraction of this planet's heaviness. And you're, you're right, there is a lot of uh, weight and, and, uh, and pain happening right now, Dwayne. Oros says, is there any chance you would talk a little bit, about, a little bit about localization, how involved the original publisher is, since a lot of times I see translation mistakes, and it seems to me that they are not as proofread as the original a lot of times. I would love you if you talk about it in a video or a blog. So I do have a blog post about this, Oros. Um, it's, a, it's a Kickstarter lesson. It's about if you search Stomar, game, Stomar Games and localization, you'll see an article about it. But I can answer very briefly what it looks like for us at Stomar Games. Uh, basically, we handle the entire design and development and proofreading process. Sometimes we do, or oftentimes we do send those files to um, some of our localization partners in case they want to play test and offer feedback. They don't usually do that, but we offer that, some of them the opportunity to do that. But usually they get the files after we have completely prepared them for the printer. In fact, we have sent them to the printer and we have those files approved by our printer so that when we send, so that then when we send the source files, so the, like the editable files to our localization partners, they can just run with them. They can just literally like replace the text in those files with the text in their language. Um, mistakes do happen. Mistakes happen in the English level and they also can happen in the proofreading process. It is our expectation for localization partners when they do those translations that they also get them proofread multiple times to make sure those translations are correct. Uh, and every now and then if we see one of our partners maybe mess up with some key mistakes multiple times in a row, we will ask them to send us the files, the translated files, for us to have a French, or not French, a, a, a person of that language who is bilingual in, language, in English and that language, uh, translate the files so that we can also approve them and have that extra layer of, um, of uh, you know, oversight to make sure that the files are as good as they can be. There can still even then be mistakes. I mean, there's, you know, with games with a lot of text, 
there's the possibility that mistakes will happen. But we try to add those various layers of oversight to prevent that from happening. And then once those files are ready, the localization partner sends them directly to the printer. And we have coordinated the print run. Uh, Susanna and Alex and my team, they, they coordinate these print runs of localization partners so that we can print multiple games at the same time. So we're still coordinating the printing side of it, even though the file preparation is happening by the localization partner. Uh, Julie says that she's excited about the reveal next week. Um, Tony says, hopefully no big mallets or cliff diving in the Midsummer Party. Oh yes, after the, the dinner portion of the Midsummer Party, uh, people did watch Midsummer the movie, which is a beautifully filmed horror film um, that Megan and I have watched, but we decided we, uh, we weren't going to watch it again. It was getting pretty late by the time they turned on the movie anyway. Steven says, did your flash sale si stimulate or simulate, stimulate, I'm sorry, I always mess up those words, stimulate vision-friendly card sales. Steven ordered a deck himself. Yeah, we did a flash sale last week on the Wingspan vision-friendly cards. And Steven, it was very well-received. I was really happy to see people um, go for the cards during that flash sale. The, the magic of a, a deep discount flash sale never fails to, um, never fails really, or can fail, but I, I haven't seen that fail. So yeah, I'll, a lot more people I think will have those cards incoming now and hopefully we'll give them a chance and... Um, See, see, I don't know. See, see the difference. I think there's a, a, a visible difference with the vision-friendly cards for Wingspan. Kevin popped in and always is kind to ask about how Biddy is doing. Uh, Kevin, today is kind of a rough day for Biddy. So it's it's been an interesting week with Biddy. Biddy's my cat who has intestinal cancer. He's old. He's hanging in there. I'm trying to make sure his quality of life is high. He's oh, he's in the kitchen right now because over the last few days I have been cooking fish for Biddy. I've cooked uh, cod and tilapia. No spices, just kind of broiling it. Um, and he is loving it. And that's why he's in the kitchen right now, because he finally has an appetite for something that he hasn't had for a few months. Um, it, is the, the only thing that he, he, it is the only thing that he's eating right now. And unfortunately, this morning when I woke up, um, so Biddy sleeps with us for part of the night, and then when he's ready to go off into his own room, he comes in, in here, and he sleeps on that mat right there. And unfortunately, this morning... Uh, I found a lot of throw up in here and throw up is, it could be nothing. It could be just that he ate too much fish because he was really excited about fish yesterday. Um, it could be his intestinal system shutting down from the cancer. And so that is one of the major signs that we're looking for. If there is a few days in a row where Biddy is not processing food and is throwing up, that means that the cancer has reached um, the time for Biddy. So good news and bad news for Biddy right now. You know, he's excited about food. He's eating food. He's getting those nutrients. Um, but the, the throw up is not a good sign. Yeah. Thanks for asking about that though. Dwayne has a question for everyone. I have a question for everyone too, but let's start with Dwayne's. Dwayne says, would you ever buy a game that required players to provide their own components to play? For example, players must bring their own matching set of dice or 10 matching tokens. So not necessarily printing and playing. So say Dwayne's asking about a game where the game comes with 100 cards, but uh, but you must bring your own D6 dice. You, you got to bring six D6 dice to play, or uh, you need to bring 10 cubes to the game to play the game. Um, would you ever buy a game? Would you ever pay for a game that required players to provide some of their own components to play the game? This is Dwayne's question of the day. I have a question of the day that I'll pepper in there later. Um, Chad says, how many review copies 
of this new game, this new game that I'm going to reveal next week that I teased on Instagram today. When will review copies, uh, how many review copies went out? Usually we send out around 10 to 12 review copies. Uh, this time I tried something actually a little bit different. Usually we have Panda sh uh, air, air mail them, airship them to us, and then we ship them to these reviewers. But I found over the last few um, uh, uh, times that we've had review copies, early review copies, because we've done that, I've been a little hesitant to send those review copies to non-US reviewers, even though there are many non-US reviewers around the world, um, knowing that it's just like an extra layer, an extra stage, an extra step. There's, um, it just takes more time and, and extra expense to get them to do that double double ship, shipment. So this time I asked Panda if they would be willing to ship the advanced review copies directly to reviewers. And so rather than have anything go through us, Panda was very kind to ship the 10 or 12 copies directly to advanced copy reviewers. Um, you can't talk about it yet. They can't even talk about that they have the game yet, but there are 10 to 12 advanced copy reviewers around the world who have this game, are playing it, um, or are probably starting to play it. And however, that, that said, I usually, I like to give advanced copy reviewers at least a month to play and review a game. And so well, they're gonna need the full month for this one. And so it won't be until a few days before the pre-order that um that that will open up reviews for this particular game uh, just because we're running maybe a little bit tight on the on the back end between getting those review copies out and when uh when we'll actually have them at fulfillment centers ready for the launch in early october steven says spoil biddy as much as you can yeah i'm spoiling him with uh with with this fish that he's enjoying thank you carl thank you chad yeah thank you everyone actually chad i want to mention chad got to uh hang out with his new um uh baby boy recently. Chad, how's that going? I know you spent some time, I think, over the weekend for a home visit. Did that go well? Hilda also has some love. Hilda down in Florida. Hilda, are you doing okay with the, the storm going through Florida right now? Steve says that his cat likes bonus food throughout the day. Maybe, maybe Biddy needs some bonus food. Oh, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm giving Biddy little bits of fish all throughout the day. Um, after I get off this call, I'll give him some food, some, some fish. Oh, poor guy. He's just like, he's literally just sitting in the kitchen. I can see him off camera right now. He's sitting in the kitchen, just waiting for me to open the, the fridge and give him more fish. George says, will the new game be individually numbered? Good question, George. Um, Cause we do have a game coming out in 2024 that we didn't individually number. Usually we do that for first print, first print runs uh, for that particular game. I decided not to do it uh, because of the, of the way the box art works. For this game, um, the one that we're announcing next week, it does, it will be, the first print run will be individually numbered. Okay, Tony has an answer for Dwayne. Tony says, um, games where you have to buy or bring something to participate, he says, isn't that pretty much like Magic the Gathering or Hero Clicks? That's true, Tony. That's a good example. Like Magic the Gathering, you, you can't just play with a deck of cards. You need something to keep track of your life. You often need other, other counters as well to actually play the game. So magic is often the exception to the rule, but that is a good example. Adam sending some love to Biddy as well. I appreciate that, Adam. Kevin as well. Uh, Julie says to Dwayne's question, it would depend on how common the components are and if it's easy to sub in a similar component if you don't have the exact same item. In general, I want a game to have all the components, but I've also play tested an early version of a game where I had to provide my own standard dice and that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, that's something that we often ask of play testers. Um, uh, we don't ask play testers to buy, any, uh, buy anything necessarily, but sometimes if they don't have any dice, they might need to buy some dice. But usually with play testing, you can pull components from 
legacy games if from other playtests, from other games on your shelf, usually that's pretty easy to do. Or if you play role-playing games, then you, you probably have some dice somewhere in your house. Corey says, my game is far enough along that I'm starting to look for an artist. So Corey, it sounds like you're designing and looking to self-publish a game. If you're not self-publishing, you don't need to look for an artist. He says, do you have any information to share and as far as, far as pay range? So Corey, I do have a post that I highly recommend checking out. It's Search Stonemaier Game for the word 200 plus, 200 with a plus sign. The post is like 200 plus artists and graphic designers whose work I love. So I have a ton, I have a huge list of recommendations for people there. I also have some articles about um, pay rates. It really depends on the artist. Um, I would recommend, in fact, Corey, I would recommend looking at my post about this because I have some very specific things that I recommend sharing with the artist when you're looking to work with them. Like you want to let them know the card size. You want to let them know if you're looking for a background or just a foreground. Like if you're asking for a character art, if you're, if you're just looking for the character or the character plus the illustration behind them. Um, you also probably want to mention the, the number of illustrations that you're looking for them to make. And ultimately, I think you're looking for the artist to provide you a quote with the cost, their cost per illustration. Um, the, pay, the pay range can really vary vastly. You can go from $50 for a card. Some artists want to charge you $1,000 per card. Um, I think that's unlikely that most companies can pay that, but uh, but there's, there's a pretty big range there. I think for the most part, you'll find artists pricing cards in the $100 to $200 range. Um, but for for simpler line drawings, that can go down. That can go down to, to I don't know, $30, $40, 50 for a, a much simpler line drawing. Um, he says, is the, he says in the comic book industry, there's a standard page rate. There's no such thing in the, in the board game industry. Yeah. Garrett says that his cat, uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, Garrett, uh, your, Garrett lost his cat as well to um, to cancer earlier this year. I'm so sorry about that, Garrett. He says, I'm so grateful for the years of love and the lifetime of memories that he gave us. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Garrett. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I want to say it's tough to just say goodbye. I haven't had to say goodbye to a pet yet. So it's something that will, will probably happen pretty soon with Biddy. But yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for him. Uh, Johnny says, answer for Dwayne, the only game I can remember that uses external components is a few cards in the game Quelf, Q-U-E-L-F, where you have to race certain items around the house to get a bonus spacer. Um, if the household components are a meaningful part of the mechanics and rules, like Quelf, I think it's a great idea. I'd also appreciate if the purpose is environmental, like everyone has dice, so use your own, so we don't have to manufacture more. Oh, okay, so like environmental eco-friendliness, yeah. Um, I think that's a, a valid reason. Also, can keep price down. Hilda says that we're okay. We're under tornado watch until this evening. So it sounds like the hurricane is spinning off some tornadoes down in Florida. Uh, so we have our closet ready if we have to hunker down with the pups. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I hope I hope no tornadoes show up at your house, Hilda. Chad says that his visit with his his new baby boy went so well. He says it went so good with Owen. Thanks for asking. It looks like if all the legal stuff goes as planned, we will be. We'll be bringing the little man home for good on September 10th. I'm getting emotional again, Chad. Yeah, I, I love this. I love that. Um, Mark, oh man, this is going to be an emotional podcast. Uh, Mark says that he lost two cats last year around the same time. Oh, that's so hard, Mark. 
um, and I've lost others over the years. It's always hard, even if you have warning and are never prepared. There's a good life lesson here somewhere, um, though I've never been receptive to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, recently, uh, some reviewers that I really appreciate and admire, uh, uh, Foster the Meeple, they lost their dog unexpectedly over the weekend. So I, it, in some ways, I... I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse. I think to be sudden, sudden. It, it, I, I don't think it's ever good. There's never a good way to, to lose a pet. All right, we need to stop talking about pets a little bit, so I can talk about other topics. Let me talk about a non-pet topic for a minute. Uh, some blog posts I've written written recently were about the bear and professional development. So I talked about that topic, uh, the show, the bear, and how season two focused a lot on professional development. So I was talking a little bit about that. About that, we talked about that actually on last week's podcast. Our last week's livecast. Um, also talked about friendly local game stores and uh, uh, supporting products. How how publishers can better support game stores so that they support uh, our products. Also talked a, a little bit about the MSRP discussion that we had on last week's livecast. My video this past week was a uh, a shared video with uh, Caleb from Spielbound, a board game cafe, and we talked about games that feature rondelles. Also, some things that I've been consuming lately, some games that I've really enjoyed. I got to play Forest Shuffle for the first time. It's on Board Game Arena, but I'm also maybe hoping to play this at game night tonight. Um, I really, really was delightfully surprised by Forest Shuffle. It has a really neat mechanism where you're tucking animals um, under tree cards, and the animals have two sides to them, so or, or kind of like wildlife cards. So they're like two cards in one, and you're sliding one of the halves under the tree card to keep one of the other halves revealed. Really neat mechanism there. Megan and I are also now two games into the two-player, one-to-two-player cooperative expansion for Lost Ruins of Arnak, the Missing Expedition. We've been enjoying that. It's been a very difficult puzzle to solve. Uh, we lost the first game and won the second game barely. Really, really barely. It's. Uh, I think I will walk away from this experience being much better at Lost Ruins of Arnak than I was previously. Nathan says, although it's early in release, are there any plans for extended content for Expedition? Yeah, Nathan. Um, yeah, I shared this actually on the Expedition's monthly e-newsletter, which feel free to sign up for it if you're curious about staying in tune with that, in touch with that. I also put it on the uh, the Expedition's Facebook group. We are currently in wave three of the Expedition's um, expansion playtesting process. And actually, I got that input, that feedback earlier this week, processed, processed it. Everything is looking great. I made a few small changes that I, I want to do a, another quick playtest on. But um, it's looking really great. And so we're going to go to print fairly soon on that. All the art is done. In fact, Jakob sent me the, the last illustration just a few minutes ago. And uh, yeah, everything's on. He just emailed me and said everything's on Dropbox. So I'm excited to, uh, to start getting to work on typesetting and proofreading the, the expansion. And what that means for schedule is that we're probably looking at mid-2024 for, for an expansion for Expeditions. Carl has, a question, has an answer for Dwayne. He says, for buying components, I like customizing or upgrading games. So the idea of having my own dice or tokens, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, that people do often upgrade their games. So I, I think that's uh, that's a distinct possibility. Uh, Steven has an answer as well. Bring your own components. The only one I'm okay with is a pencil. No one uses those little golf pencils in the Roll and Write game, so leave them out. Yeah, that's that's true. I think that that's it's a, it's an interesting place in board games where um, any game that requires you to write on a pad of paper, they don't really need to include a writing utensil, and oftentimes the one they include isn't all that great anyway to use. I think there are exceptions to that. There there are games like uh, Next Station, uh, London, and Tokyo 
uh, Sagrada artisans that include colored pencils, which um, I don't think are as common as a pencil or a pen and need to be included in the game. Adam says, do you require stores to show your products in a certain way or at a certain eye level? I'm especially curious about this for new releases. You know, Adam, we have we have no control over that. No, no way of, of, of instituting a policy like that. So no, the best that we can do for at least online stores is provide 3D box images that they can use or our 3D boxes look good. Um, they can pull those from our web store. But when games are displayed at local game stores, yeah, we have we have no control over over how they're displayed. I think that's very different than other industries where, like, uh, at a grocery store, a company might pay to have the end cap of an aisle, and they might require their products to be at a certain eye level. I, mean, I think you're thinking through those that lens, which is interesting. But no, that isn't the case in the game industry that I'm aware of. Same as an answer for Dwayne as well. He says, I think if the price point reflected cost savings passed on to the customer, and I already had the components, I wouldn't be opposed to it. If it were just to increase the profit margins for the publisher, I would not support that choice of the publisher. Yeah, so you you have to the the price needs to reflect that if you leave out some components expecting people to bring them on in. And I think you also have to be very transparent about that, Dwayne. Probably on the the box of the game to say uh, these components aren't aren't uh, included. You need to, you need to provide these components. George says, "Have you do, do you know the historical podcast called Empire?" I think I may have heard of it, but I haven't listened to it. He says, I highly recommend it if you enjoy history and would like to learn about lots of topics while working on or doing other activities. It has over 10 million listeners. Um, I'm listening to it on my iPhone podcast. Thank you for the recommendation, George. Yeah, that 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 is a category of podcast that I don't often tune into uh, beyond uh, revisionist history, which is a podcast that I highly recommend. Um, but yeah, thank you for the recommendation. I'll check that out. Currently, things I'm consuming other than games are, uh, and other games that I didn't show here, I also recently played Death Roads All-Stars and had fun with that, and also played Arc Nova recently at a game night. Just barely won Arc Nova. Um, but things I'm consuming, I just finished the book Lords of Uncreation, which I think finishes the trilogy of the um, a series by Adrian Tchaikovsky, uh, kind of a, a, a far future sci-fi spacefaring series called Lords of Uncreation. And I just started to read a book called My Murder, which is a, a, a lighter one-off book, as far as I know, about um, someone who was murdered and then uh, their their brain was, I guess, moved over to a new body. They were kind of cloned, and so they get to continue to live. And so this, they are trying to solve their own murder, which I think is interesting, or at least process their own murder and move on with their life. Um, we're, we're watching in, in the Stillmeyer, or the Stegmeyer household right now, Stegmeyer Cisco household, we're watching Ninja Warrior, and we're watching uh, American Ninja Warrior, we're watching the show Ghosts at lunch. I'm still delighted by that show. And today we're going to watch Ahsoka. A new episode of Ahsoka dropped last night. So we're going to watch that today. Foley said, oh, Gabor. Uh, Gabor is joining us from Hungary. Nice to be here live for once. I usually watch your videos on YouTube. Yeah, thank you for joining us live. He says, I was patiently waiting for the Hungarian uh, edition of Expeditions, which was supposed to be available at the end of next month. But Delta Vision announced that the release date has shifted to November. I'm sorry for that. Um, so instead, he ordered from the Stomeyer shop, and this will be the first original Stomeyer game in his collection. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you for, for ordering from us. Do you have an estimate of when the game will be shipped? I'm asking because our wedding anniversary is the end of September, and it would be nice to celebrate with Expeditions. So if you ordered the Ironclad version, I think we're out of stock of that in most of our web stores, but the restock is arriving really soon. Um, 
In fact, I think the restock in the U.S. is arriving today. They still will need some time to process it and get out those orders. But uh, I think it arrives at all fulfillment centers in the very near future. So um, I will check on that to make sure. I don't know the exact dates for the other fulfillment centers. But, um, but I, I think for sure you will receive it within September. And he says, usually we play Wingspan around our wedding anniversary because the wedding was Wingspan themed and birds in general. That's that's wonderful. I love hearing that. But it would be nice to have the new game at the end of September. Yeah, you know, I will uh, check in with Joe. I don't know if Joe's listening to this about the other fulfillment centers. Sorry. Uh, their restock of Ironclad. He may have told me and I'm, I'm not remembering right now. Ivan says, uh, I was wondering if you support national wingspan tournaments. However, he's not in the U.S. We did for Settlers of Catan. Recently, we did one for Dune Imperium. Any thoughts on how to do one for wingspan? So, Ivan, we are definitely not a tournament-driven company, but there are people who have run tournaments for our games. Uh, the only semi-official tournament guidelines we have are on our website are for Scythe. Um, but there are people who have run tournaments and have talked about it in the wingspan Facebook group. So I think that's probably the place to go to talk about wingspan tournaments. Uh, yeah, I, I know there are people who have experience with them. They can share how they how they ran those tournaments. Uh, we don't officially support tournaments as a as a as a company, but we support like we love people doing cool stuff. So we are happy for you to talk about it in the Facebook group and and garner support for it in the Facebook group if you'd like to, and on Board Game Geek and elsewhere, things like that. Tom says, Star Realms or Star Wars deck building game, which do you prefer? You know, I love Star Realms, but I am just entranced by the Star Wars deck building game. Uh, I will soon put out my my top 10 favorite games of all time as of right now. And even though Star Wars, the deck building game came out this year, it might be on that list. I really, really love it. And Star Realms isn't on that list. So yeah, definitely for me, the Star Wars deck building game. William says, so William has a question for uh, Dwayne, and I'll throw my question into the ring into a se in a second, and I'll maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll let Dwayne read through the remaining answers that people post. So you're still welcome to post answers to Dwayne's question, which was, would you ever buy a game where you have to provide some of the components, whether it's pencils, whether it's dice or cubes, things like that? William's answer is, I probably would not buy such a game unless it's a compelling part of gameplay. For example, perhaps for a highly asymmetric, asymmetric and personal experience, I wouldn't mind providing my own custom dice or any cool resource tokens to better represent my character faction, etc. That makes sense. Um, as some other, I'm scrolling past nice questions about, a uh, nice comment about my cat so I don't get emotional again. <laughs> Chad says, are you collecting any favorite games of 2023 list? I would really like a video on which games connected with you. Yeah, Chad, I do, I do a, li a list like that. Sometimes even two lists um, every year. So I'll do that one at the end of the year. I am slowly compiling what that list looks like for me. Uh, both for overall favorite games, favorite expansions, favorite campaign experiences, favorite new to me games that were released well before 2023. Yeah, I have, I have, I would say it's in the works, but it's something that's in the works throughout the entire year. And then I'll put it together at the end of 2023. Corey says he also likes Forest Shuffle. Julie says, does Forest Shuffle seem similar to any other games that you've played? You know, it's, it is a tableau building game in the spirit of games like Wingspan and Earth. And I wouldn't say it there are some engine building aspects. I wouldn't say it leans as deep into the engine building aspects as as Earth and Wingspan do, but there there is a strong sense of progression in the game. So um, yeah, I would say Earth and Wingspan might be the best comparisons for it. It also has a lot of tucking under stuff, kind of like what Scythe or what Expeditions does, um, but it, it in no way resembles Expeditions in any way other than that. 
But uh, it's on Board Game Arena, so I'd, I I am really looking forward to playing the tabletop version. But if you want to test it out, give it a give it a chance on Board Game Arena. <laughs> Steven Steven's gonna try to choke me up with other. I got I can't read that, Steven. I'm gonna get choked up again. Jake says, I love the idea of a game that uses standard D6 dice saying, bring your own, or offering custom design ones as an expansion pack to keep, to keep base game prices down and for more eco-friendly purchasing. That's an interesting idea. Um, so the core game requires dice, but the dice aren't included. You say you can use any standard D6 dice with this game, but you have the option of buying, if you want, really special, pretty, beautiful, probably higher priced custom dice that you can include, that you can play with the game. I think that might go to go over well. There also might be some people saying, hey, if we need the dice, why wouldn't you include these with the game? But I think the answer, the answer there, I think, is pretty obvious that you would have to add those costs together um, for a higher price, whereas you're giving people the option um, for lower prices if you split them up. I think that's a neat idea. Uh, Tony has some, uh, some comments about the pet, too. He says... Uh, it can be harder when you have to make the decision when it's time. I've always felt it's the contract you enter into the animal when you adopt them. They give you love their whole lives, and you have to be willing to let them go when the time comes. And yeah, I, I just, I, I've, uh, I hear that I've just never had to do it before. I got Biddy as a little kitten, little, little tiny kitten when he was six weeks old. I got him at the Humane Society here in St. Louis uh, a long, long time ago, six, 16 and a half years ago. Okay, I'm going to scroll past remaining answers to Dwayne's question because I'm going to pose my own question here. But feel free to keep answering Dwayne's question. Uh, the and Stephen recommends the Silo series. Uh, the my question of the day is, uh, what is your favorite trick taking, ladder climbing, or card shedding game right now? So games that use something close to a standard deck of cards, not necessarily that, but something close to it, and are in the spirit. The overall category of trick-taking, ladder-climbing, or card-shedding games. I have a video about this, but I am going to soon film a new video on this topic with a few special guests. I'm really looking forward to that, and I want to see how you're feeling about it. So I'm gonna, I may take notes about your answers and include them as, uh, as honorable mentions on the, cat, on the list. So think about that for a second. We've got 25 minutes left in the video. If you want to let me know your favorite trick-taking, ladder-climbing, or card-shedding game right now or of all time. Let me know in the comments here. Patrick says that Ghost has a BBC version that differs a little from the American version. It's also a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm curious about the BBC version, Patrick. Do you know, we have like all the streaming services or which, do you, do you know which US streaming service we can watch the BBC version of Ghost on? Does anyone know that? Suzanne says that Osoka is very good. At least our house is enjoying it very much. Yeah, we really enjoy the first two episodes and we're looking forward to the third one. Hilda's recommending, so I mentioned that Stephen recommended the Silo series of books, which I also thought the, the TV show was, was great. Hilda recommends uh, Grady Hendrix as we're approaching a spooky season. She says, I was born in 81. I was born in 81. And I love the 80s, 90s nostalgia in his stories. Do you have a, a recommendation for people to start out with if they want to start out with their first Grady Hendrix book, Hilda? I haven't, I'm not familiar with, with that author. Suzanne always plays Viticulture on our on her anniversary. I've had the pleasure of playing Viticulture with Suzanne. Was it on your anniversary, Suzanne? Suzanne, or was it just a special occasion that you were in St. Louis? Okay. Oh, Joe. Joe is listening along. So Joe has an answer about uh, Ironclad Expeditions and the Expeditions Playmat. That's the new thing that's arriving at fulfillment centers. He says Ironclads and Playmats have arrived in Australia and are arriving in the U.S. tomorrow. 
soon for Canada and Europe, but no specific dates yet. So I still think it's reasonable for us to say that they will arrive soon and definitely arrive to pre-order customers within September for um, the person who asked that question earlier. Oh, Foldy. Foldy says you only ordered the standard edition. Foldy, that one is actually in stock in uh, in all of our fulfillment centers. And so you should get a tracking notification by the end of this week, I think. Uh, so uh, you should receive it next week. Okay, that simplifies things. I thought maybe you had pre-ordered the, uh, the Ironclad edition. Mark's getting ready for a trip to Japan. That's exciting, Mark. What are you doing over in Japan? As you may know, I studied abroad in Japan, so I have a very strong affinity and love for Japan. Kevin says he got to play Life of the Amazonia over the weekend. It was a very fun bag building tile placement pattern tile placement pattern matching game. I love bag building games um, and tile placement games. So yeah, that's that's fun, Kevin. I'll have to check out Life of the Amazonia. Okay, here's the start, I'm starting to get some answers about trick taking and ladder climbing. I have a Tichu here. Uh, George says King is dead. So do we count King is dead? I don't know if I would count that, George. I love the game. I don't know if I would count that. Or does it count? I don't know. What do you all think? Do you think The King is Dead, second edition, counts as a tricking game? It's really close. I see what you're saying, where everyone is playing a card. But you're playing the card for the ability not to win, not for the card's number compared to the other cards, as I can recall. The cards, rather, are declaring, like, this is the area that we're fighting over right now, and you're, you are manipulating the board. I'm open to opinions about that, though. I won't write it down yet, but I'm open to that. Kendra says, Fox in the Forest and Ghost of Christmas. Okay, good picks. Forest, the two-player version. Duet, I think, is that one. Or actually, there's two of them. Which, are you referring to the, the cooperative or the competitive version of that, Kendra? Um, and Ghost of Christmas. Ghost of Christmas. I had a fun time playing that one as well. For Steven, it is sheep, sheep's head, sheep's head. Good morning, Heather. Thanks for popping in. We're talking right now about trick-taking, ladder climbing, and card shedding games. If you have a favorite one that you'd like to mention here today, um, yeah, let me know in the in the comments here. Corey says heat for card shedding. Hmm. I like where you're going with that, Corey. I wouldn't say that that fits into uh, what I, exactly what I'm going for for a card shedding category. I, um, but I see where you're going with that. I, I see how that is adjacent to the category. David's putting in the crew, the Mission Deep Sea version of the crew. Julie says, I haven't played a new trick-taking game in a while. I enjoy Fox in the Forest from time to time, but it's still fun to play classic card games on occasion, like Rummy, Bridge, Spades, and Hearts. Well, what's your go-to classic, Julie? What, of those, if you could pick one of them to play more often than the others, Rummy, Bridge, Spades, or Hearts, which would you name? Nick says, I found a used copy of Euphoria with its expansion at his local game store. That's awesome, Nick, except there were some damaged, chewed-up cards. Cards. was wondering how easy it would be to purchase extra copies of cards. So, Nick, if you let us know which cards are damaged um, on a replacement parts form, we're happy to replace those cards. We, we typically don't just replace entire decks of cards. Um, unless we really need to, but uh, but if there's some specific cards that you need, just let us know. We'll take care of it. Kendra also mentioned love letter for card shedding. Ooh, do we want to categorize? Do we want to count that? Maybe I'll make a note of it. It's close. So typically, what card shedding is 
is when you're trying to get rid of your hand the fastest. Um, I think that's typically what it refers to. So in the game, I don't know if you've ever played like uh, uh, BS, where you can you put some cards face down and you say, here's four aces, and other people can call BS on you if you want. Um, I think that's maybe a classic shedding game. Try to get rid of your hand the fastest. William puts in another vote for the crew. I'll put a couple notches down next to that one. Chad says, Cat in the Box. Yeah, Cat in the Box is a lovely game. That one's on Kickstarter right now. A, a new giant version of it. Um, and he also says he enjoys game, trick-taking games that have in-game goals. And I prefer the type of trick-taking game that you can sit down with friends and play while also conversing. I like that too. Okay, Hilda's recommending a book recommendation, My Best Friend's Exorcism. That's a good book title. She also recommends Horror Store which has an Ikea parody angle. That's interesting. For that one, I recommend the actual book. It has an Ikea catalog vibe. Okay, so getting like the, the, the paper version of the book instead of the, the Kindle version. My best friend's exorcism. Kevin says Scout is his favorite. So Scout is probably the most famous uh, card shedding game actively being played right now that I'm aware of. So Scout, yeah, got to vote for Scout. He says Gap is also great, but it's more of a set collection game. I'm not familiar with, with Gap. Susanna, Suzanne says we played the wings the weekend of we played this weekend of the wingspan fundraiser for the Audubon Society. Close to our anniversary, but not. Oh, I see. We're, she's talking about the dates of the anniversary. Um, that was a funny evening. Yeah, this was years ago where I got to play viticulture with Suzanne and her husband. Johnny says uh, that euchre is his favorite trick-taking game. I'll throw euchre in here. And uh, he agrees with Corey on card shedding. So should I count heat as card shedding? It seems it is, it is a mechanism in the game, and that is okay. There can be that can be it can count as a mechanism for the game. But yeah, he he does a lot of fun. I don't know if I quite count it into this cat this specific category of like trick taking adjacent games. Heather says for trick taking, I, trick taking I played Scout and Cat in the Box. I've heard I need to play Skull King. Yeah, I do love some Skull King. Um, but yeah, Scout and Cat in the Box are both excellent games. Mark says his vacation to Japan, he's going to sneak in some board game shopping. I've heard there's some great games from Japan. In fact, yeah, the trick-taking category is huge in Japan. A lot of great Japanese designers, a lot of small box games coming out in this category in Japan. So Mark, hopefully you have some good discoveries there. Uh, Kendra says specifically the, the um, competitive version of Fox in the Forest. So not the duet version. I guess the duel, the duel version. Joshua comes in here with the cat in the box, and then the crew after that. I'll just count the top vote here, Joshua. Maxwell says, he's heard good things about the game Haggis. Have you played it? I have played Haggis once. It's a, it's a tough one to get your mind around the number of different ways that cards can form sets in Haggis, but it was definitely an interesting play. Uh, Sam says it's hard for to beat the crew for him. Sam loves the crew. He says, Michaela and I got to introduce it to his dad visiting over one weekend, and he loved it so much that he wanted to play through all 50 missions before we left. That is a lot of missions of the crew to play through. Did you actually get through it, Sam? Uh, Steve says that the Great Western Trail series lets you shed cards from your deck, but I don't think that's what you mean by card shedding games. Yeah, it's a, that, is a, that does count, but I wouldn't count it for this, this specific category that I'm aiming for. Let's see. Garrett says he spent a lot of time in high school playing a card shedding game called Pusoy Dos, and it's always been a favorite of mine. I don't, I, I have not heard of that one. Pusoy Dos. 
Jake's going in with Cat in the Box and Nokosu Dice. You can guess the one who showed that to me. And Scout are all up there for him. I'll give you a few votes here, Jake. Nokosu Dice, that is a fun one. Oh, I need to mention, I don't know if it'll make my list. I'm only doing a top three list. But I really, really enjoyed the game Nirvana. I don't know if that has had a wide release yet. But that is a really clever game where you spend the first half of the game rolling dice and creating cards um, on your sheet of paper. And then the second half of the game is using those cards in a card shedding game. It's really cool. It's a little tough to teach, but once you know how to play, it is, it's kind of magical. And Scout, I'll mark down for Jake. Krista says Nine Lives was a fun trick game. Yeah, Nine Lives is a lot of fun. And she also mentioned Skull King. First vote for Skull King. Second mention, but first vote. Carl says his kids also like Dos. I wonder if that is the same as the Pusoy Dos game that someone else mentioned. Nathan says, I picked up a trick-taking game at Origins that I'm enjoying right now. It's called Tome. Think of Euchre, but the suits are elements that have themed abilities on each card. Tome. That's cool. I haven't heard of that one. And William says, we're going with classic trick-taking. Dominoes is my favorite of all time. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about Dominoes fitting into this category, but I'll make a note of it. Yeah. Steven says, I enjoyed your top five videos with guests on Sunday. Sit down. Are there more coming? So this one will be one such video. I think I am joined by three different guests on this one. So we're each just going to do a top three, Stephen. Um, Stephen, I know you're always great with commenting with your thoughts on these videos. If you ever want to join me for a video, we'll we'll do a top five together. Send me an email we'll, uh, and send me a topic that you'd like to cover. I'd be happy to do one with you if you'd like. Or you can just keep enjoying watching them too. No obligation at all there. Uh, Heather says, Gap is is good for card shedding, but not trick-taking. That's fine. My favorite card shedding that I play with family is Phase 10. Not trick-taking, but it's one that we play every time we hang out. I've heard great things about Phase 10. I don't think I've played it, though, so I'll make a note about that. Phase 10 and Gap. I don't think I've played Gap either. Tony mentioned Six Nymphs. That's a fun one. And Cover Your Assets. I haven't played Cover Your Assets, but I do love Six Nymphs. always forget if there's an extra I in there. Uh, Maxwell also says he loves Euchre, so I'll put an extra vote next to Euchre over here. David says, for classic trick-taking, which is totally eligible for this, I grew up playing 42, which is also a domino game, similar to the one that um, that William mentioned a moment ago. Corey says, could card shedding be a game mechanism as well as a win condition? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I typically, again, when I'm talking about card shedding, in terms of this element of the game, it's... You get a hand of cards and you're trying to get rid of those cards as fast as possible. Um, but it, that that is often a win condition. Although many of those games have you play through multiple hands. 5-3-5 um, five, five is another recent one that does that. Adam says love he loves Skull King for trick-taking game. I'll make another notch next to Skull King. Take 5 works almost a reverse trick-taking game. But that game is intense when there are limited options to place cards. I don't think I've played Take 5 yet that I can recall. Uh, Patrick says, President, a.k.a. Scum, a.k.a. Big Two. I created a version based on a business boardroom in which order of finish matters. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm familiar with this. I'm going to need more paper here. You all are suggesting so many games. Before I keep on going, because we we'll use the rest of the time, I think, talking about trick-taking, which is totally fine with me. I wanted to mention two quick things. Um, I guess fun Stillmeyer. Uh, one, one related Stillmeyer thing. I had a fun chat with Jared on the 20-sided gamified podcast the other day. I think that chat will go live in the fairly near future. 
but we talked about it and he has a recent episode about a conference here in St. Louis called the NASAGA conference. It looks kind of like NASA GA, but it's really NASAGA. It's, um, it's a conference centered around games and simulations where I, I, my perception of listening to a podcast about it and reading a little bit on the website is that it is a place where you go and it's a small conference here in St. Louis where you go and play games and talk about games. Like talk, talk about game theory and game design, game mechanisms. Um, small conference. And it's happening on October 21st. It is possible that I might attend just for fun to see how it is. But if you are in St. Louis and want to check it out and let me know how it goes, feel free to check out the NASAGA website. It's N-A-S-A-G-A. One long acronym there. Their conference jumps from city to city. This year it happens to be in St. Louis in late October. So I wanted to get a shot, give a shout out to that. So let's go back to trick-taking, ladder climbing, and card shedding games. Joshua says Bottle Imp. I am going to start a new piece of paper here. Bottle Imp. I have not played Bottle Imp. Bottle Imp. Julie says, okay, her favorite classic one. She says, Shanghai Rummy is a nostalgic game for me. I played it with my late grandparents and still play it occasionally with family. I want to be better at bridge because I feel like there's a lot I can still learn there. But yeah, I'll, I'll mark down Shanghai Shanghai Rummy as your top pick there. Again, I'm working on this list because I'm going to do a video soon where I talk about various favorite trick-taking, card-shedding, and ladder-climbing games. Uh, Johnny says, I agree with your heat clarification. You're shedding cards, but that, that's not the main point, and you're certainly not discarding as quickly as possible. Johnny, it's certainly a line to be drawn somewhere um, because I think of a game like uh, uh, Brian Boru. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Brian Boru is a game that uses trick-taking uh, as really its core mechanism, but the focus is on the board. So I actually would probably count that as a trick-taking game. Um, probably would, yeah. So that's where I, I was a little bit on the fence as well about the king is dead, if anyone wants to make an argument for that being included. Joshua says his favorite card-shooting game is Mystery Rummy Jack the Ripper. Mystery, yeah, I've heard that term Mystery Rummy, but I'd never actually played a Mystery Rummy game. Rummy... Jack the Ripper. Thank you. Carl says that Dose is a takeoff from Uno. Okay. Julie also says, as a kid, we played Tripoli, which is a card shedding game that starts with a poker round. That's fun. Merging poker and card shedding. That's a neat combination. Aramis is joining us from San Francisco. He says, what are your thoughts? Different topic here. We could, yeah, we're still, we could talk about other topics too. He says, what are your thoughts on a promo pack for Viticulture World? Since Charterstone is one of the episodes to play, other Stillmeyer games with event decks could be cool. Loving Viticulture World as well as all your games. I'm so glad to hear that you're having fun with the Viticulture World, Aramis. Um, I think it is possible someday that we could come out with a, a promo pack. Um, it would probably, probably come from the designers, but it could come from someone else. I haven't seen many, you know, mostly, mostly I see games... Uh, fans of games posting their own ideas for promos, and usually that's a sign to me that fans are wanting that sort of thing. I have not really seen that from Viticulture World at this point, um, but I maybe there's one that I missed, and I'm entirely open to doing that someday, doing a little promo pack of a, a new new continent, new, maybe a new fictional, because you can really do make any fictional continent for uh, for uh, uh, Viticulture World, putting that in the game. So I'm, I'm open to it, but we don't have anything in the works right now. So Sam confirms he did actually get through all 50 missions with his uh, his uh, father-in-law uh, of the crew. That's really impressive, Sam, over, over the course of a weekend. 
Jason says, if I play phase 10, it's more interesting if you let people approach the phases in whatever order they want. Interesting. I haven't played it all, so I have no context for that, but that's good advice if I ever get to play phase 10, Jason. Corey from Blue Falcon Gaming is joining us near the end here. Joshua says, take five is another edition of six nymph. Okay, that's good to know. Mark says, I recently played Tournament at Avalon and I enjoyed its trick-taking mechanism. I'll note that here, Tournament at Avalon. I think I've played that one. Also, uh, Heather says, I, I finally played Wingspan for the first time in Twitch, on Twitch, and I wanted to mention it because I had the best time learning it. I played a lot of engine building games, but I loved planning out what I wanted to do. I'm so glad you, you got to try it on, on, uh, on Twitch. Is it Twitch? I was thinking Switch for a second there. So were you streaming it on Twitch, Heather, or were you playing it on a Nintendo Switch? Either way, I'm glad you were playing it and that you had fun with it. I'm just curious what you meant there. Uh, Mark says that Simon is hosting the expo in, in Thailand in November, and I heard that expeditions will be available there. Will the upcoming game be there as well? That is a good question, Mark. I don't know. I think, uh, so Simon is our distributor for some countries in Asia, so I'm guessing that's why they, they'll have uh, expeditions. I am hoping that they're carrying this, that they will carry this new game as well. And so I think there's a very good chance it will be there. Yeah. Chet says, how would you describe a ladder climbing game? Uh, this is a tougher one for me to describe. Um, what is an example of a ladder climbing game? So ladder climbing, I think it's often associated with card shooting. Correct me if I say this incorrectly, but ladder climbing, I believe, is if I play, uh, if I pay a, play a pair of twos, that the next player, if they want to play, they need to play something better than that. They need to play whatever the game determines is better than that, like a, a pair of threes or uh, three ones or you know something that is better than that that starting, whatever is the previous played set of cards. And I think typically ladder climbing, this is where I'm confusing it with card shedding a little bit because that often overlaps with card shedding. But I think sometimes ladder climbing games only let each player play one a card or, or set of cards into that pile and then it's out and they do it again and again um but maybe someone can define that better because i that seems so similar to me that, uh, to card shedding jake says brian burrow is awesome i agree I, I i think it's a really excellent brian brian vincent also echoes that and brian also wants to give a shout out to chains a disc golf game yeah i saw that was on kickstarter now I will mark down Brian Boru. Why not? Cassandra says, boast or nothing. Yeah, boast or nothing is a lot of fun. I, I have enjoyed my plays of that. Boast or nothing. I have some friends who love trick-taking games, so I, I get to play way more than I ever thought I would. Patrick says, hand and foot is another trick-taking game that works 1v1 or 2 versus 2 Yeah, there's something in trick-taking games. They don't always work all that well at head-to-head, uh, -head. so uh, it's neat when a game is able to do that. Stephen says, please repeat what you said about a new game announcement. I missed the first three minutes of the stream. So the uh, on Instagram today, at Jamie Stigmar on Instagram, I shared a hint of a new game that we'll be announcing next Wednesday. So next Wednesday, we'll reveal the name of the game. The designer, the artist, uh, will reveal the full rulebook if you want to go through the rulebook. And I'll also start my design diary reveals of what the game is all about. But right now, for just right now, I revealed punched punch boards for this game in a photo on Instagram at Jamie Stegmeyer if you want to check that out. Okay, so Heather clarified she was uh, streaming on Twitch. She played the digital version from Steam with two other people who helped teach and play. That's wonderful, Heather. Heather, if you want to share that link to Twitch, if you want other people to tune in and check out that playthrough, feel free to do so. You're welcome to post that link in the comments here. 
Brian says, speaking of ladder climbing, I think a scout is one. Yes, I would say a scout is... Well, that's where I get confused about scout, uh, uh, ladder climbing and card shedding. Because in scout, you are trying to get rid of all your cards. That's card shedding. But you're also trying to play better cards or a better series of cards than the previous player. So maybe a lot of those games end up having ladder climbing and card shedding in the same category. Uh, Steve says a ladder climbing example would be the game. Okay. Oh, yeah. I see that with the game. You need to play a better card than the previous player. Maxwell says, to me, ladder climbing games go round and round until a player passes uh, twice in a row. Trick-taking games, everyone plays one card and that ends the trick. I've seen ladder climbing games like that too, Maxwell. I've seen um, Bridge City Poker, I believe, is the game where you each only get one opportunity to play into the hand. And the hand itself is, I believe, as I can recall, a ladder climbing game in itself. Okay, Lex says that uh, they think that Scout is both a ladder climbing and a card shedding game. Teach you is ladder climbing. Teach you, I have not played as far as I can remember, and that is, I think, one of the, the classic ladder climbing games. Euchre is trick taking. This is from Maxwell here. Simon says, would you ever design an app driven game, something like Freelancers, Forgotten Waters, or Mansions of Madness? Simon, my general take on this is that I love when games use apps in really cool ways, but our focus is having people turn off their screens when they play games. So I think it would be pretty unlikely for us to require someone to at least have a lot of attention, ongoing attention on a screen. Um, also, if you do have an app in your game, then the release of the game can get heavily delayed by a developer, an app developer operating a lot slower than you hope they would. So I think it's unlikely that I would ever design or even publish an app-driven game. Jason says that the crew deep sea, another vote for the crew, lots of votes for the crew deep sea specifically being people's favorite trick-taking game. Here we go. Heather shared a link to the Twitch channel Board Gaming Mama as she plays Wingspan for the first time. Here's a link to her channel if you want to follow along. Uh, thank you, Heather, for sharing that. She says, I'm going to try to get some people into, into an ongoing streaming playthrough of Charterstone soon. One of my favorites to introduce to people. And as you know, it's on, uh, it's on Steam, it's on Android, it's on iOS. You can play it digitally as well. But the digital version is really pretty cute and adorable. Uh, Steve says, my girlfriend and I like playing board games that require zero screens. That is generally my approach as well, Steve. I, I am open. If a, if a game uses an app in a really great way, and they've already done the work of getting the app to, to function as it should. Like I think most recently for me played uh, Lands of Galzir that uses kind of, kind of an app. It's really just a, I mean, it's an app. It's a, it's a very light app, but an effective one. I'm open to playing games that use that, but I do like, for the most part, to turn off screens when I play games. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I love this conversation. Thank you for the uh, the the emotions that came up at, 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 and let me letting me share those emotions with you. I really appreciate that trust and that that vulnerability um, that you'll share with me. I appreciate that, um, and also sharing your your. Your thoughts, your 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 picks, your game picks. I really really enjoy these conversations. Um, yeah, so this this has been great. I will be back next Wednesday with the announcement, a huge announcement, probably the second biggest biggest announcement of the year, with our new game that I'm going to reveal next Wednesday. I'll see you then. Have a great week. Have a great Wednesday. Enjoy Ahsoka if you watch it today. We're going to go watch it now. I'll talk, I'll talk to you later. Bye.